Hey guys, what's up? I hate starting my podcast like that because um, it just feels weird. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, I really don't know what else to say. I, I don't want to do like an animated, weird, like podcast voice. It's just me in my room with my candles. And I, that's just what is coming to mind right now. Um, I'm just going to start this podcast. I'm not going to give like a recap of my week or anything because truly like nothing interesting has happened. I got better from my sickness. We're doing great. I am, you know, switching up my teas. I went from orange Pico to Earl Grey and that's really all that matters. Anyway, this week, um, I absolutely like adore my guests. We became fast friends through like doing shows with Yuck Yucks and the Icebreakers Comedy Festival. We just bonded and I think he's amazing. Guys, Kyle Brownrigg is on the podcast this week. Um, what hasn't he done? He's won uh, Best Breakout Artist at the Canadian Comedy Awards. He's done a gajillion TV tapings for Just for Laughs, the Halifax Comedy Festival, CBC. Um, he's done CBC Laugh Out Loud. There's an abundance of things uh, where you can find lots of Kyle online. Um, also, he has a podcast called Best Actress, so be sure to check it out. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm not going to do anything too crazy. So I'm just going to start the podcast. Um, thanks for listening to another episode and I uh, hope you like it. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs exactly of our healthcare system. And luckily, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for that in a way, but at the same time, it's like, I can't help, but like the small experiences that I have had with them, mm -hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's very questionable. Uh, their judgment is, is very questionable. I, I don't think that I completely trust even my doctor fully. Well, I mean, this is an overshare, but like one time I had, uh, I was diagnosed with what they said was HPV because they were essentially slut shaming me. They're like, oh, you're young, you're gay, you're a boy, therefore you're a giant whore. And um, they misdiagnosed me just because of like my age and demographic. And then um, in order to get rid of, if you like anybody out there who's, if anybody's ever had HPV before, it's like a little bump. And then you, they use like acid and they like burn it off of your, your junk, right? And I had to keep going in over and over and over again. And they kept like zapping my fucking dick with oh acid, God. like literal acid. And then it turns out I had to go to a specialist. It took two seconds for a licensed dermatologist to just be like, this is a cyst. I can remove it immediately. And it was gone. But for almost six to six to eight months, I was essentially having like my skin like mutilated because of like misdiagnosis and you really need to get second opinions on things. Go and see specialists, like ask questions, you know, like I find that like older generation doctors, yeah, they sometimes can really just let you down and you think, well, you're a doctor, so you, sh you should know, but that's, that's not always the case. Wow. That is uh, so many levels of horrifying. I am yeah. <laughs> so sorry that you had to go through that. That's so fucked up. Wow. Yeah. It wasn't was even that long ago. It was like three years ago. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And that's what's so surprising about it is it happens all the fucking time still. But you're right with the seeing the older doctors. I do think there's something to be said. And even with like younger therapists too, it's like mm -hmm. you want somebody that is like 
up to date with their software about how society <laughs> is, is happening right now. So this, wait, wait, okay, so, so excuse my ignorance. So like, is this, cause this, this is a heavy topic. Like we got really heavy. I think I kind of steered it in that direction. <laughs> like, no, I love it though. Are I we supposed to keep the light? Are we? <laughs> no, no, no. Like we just go as deep as you want. Just share anything that you want to talk about. I, I love it. And I think the deeper that we go into it, the more interesting the topics become, you know? Okay. I was just like, is this too dark? I was like, Jenna, no, 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 no. let's the talk. The point of this podcast <laughs> is just for anybody listening that's going through something similar is is able to kind of relate to it and maybe we can help them out in some way by relating to them well talking about sleep i would say that uh my sleep schedule is pretty much the same but i'm definitely like on the couch all day lying down so i'm always like resting and i still feel tired like i think that's just all depression and what about you are you are you sleeping a lot more uh, because of the lockdown Um, I am no my sleep has been I haven't slept this poorly like my entire life like since the pandemic has been happening it's been five hours like nightly I actually bought a sleep app um to to tell me oh really yeah I got one and it's like actually I think it did I buy it or no I downloaded it I downloaded it it's free I think it's just called sleep app it's just called like the sleep app and you put it next to your your bed or under your pillow and it monitors like how deep your sleep is if you wake up in the middle of the night it records i found out that i talk in my sleep i didn't you have to pay for it to find out what you say but i'm like that's fucking scary Ooh. i don't think I'll figure that out yeah, um, juicy. i do seem like somebody that talks in their sleep though for sure <laughs> it's a little bit we scary. all do i know um, daniel talks in his sleep all the time but i can't make out what the hell he's saying <laughs> is it because of his accent or is it because of just <laughs> a little a little bit of both a, a, a little yeah. bit of both anybody listening it's because he's Irish but yeah maybe a little bit yeah. of both. <laughs> um just really quickly so you were talking about the your the doctor that you were saying was older mm-hmm. how old was he do you know well uh there was there, there was I saw three doctors all from the same clinic and all three of them misdiagnosed me the first one was a woman and she was like 60s um and the other one was the other guy that was treating it was uh uh i don't know mid to late 40s and then the other guy the like old guy he was probably in his like late 60s was basically like blaming me for having hpv and was literally like well that's what you get and he literally was like even if you wear a condom you know that you can still give this to girls and i was like okay i was like there is so many things in your world that you don't understand. Clearly you have a vision problem and you can't hear me uh, (laughs) because obviously I'm a homosexuale. Um, First of all, second of all, fuck you for assuming that it's like my fault and that I'm just going around spreading it to everybody. I was so angry about that. After him, I never... I just asked for a specialist because I just, I was so insulted by him and, and uh, yeah, he was just a fucking dick. Yeah. That's fucked. Uh, that kind of reminds me of my therapist. He is like 65. And uh, okay. when I first started seeing him, he was like really good. Like he helped me out right away. Like he's, he was so good at diagnosing my form of anxiety. Uh, mm. He introduced me to CBT therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, and mm 
oh my God, it was amazing. What is that? What is cognitive behavioral therapy? So cognitive behavioral therapy is when you, um, like having a a thought, an anxious thought, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's being able to counteract that thought with something that is like your, your, your own best friend sort of thing with a rational thought. So you kind of just like cut through it, cut right to it Mm. and then fill it with, uh, like positive reinforcement and then just like change what you're doing, like change the activity that you're doing completely, like stimulate your mind right away so that you like forget about the thing that made you anxious in the first place. Was that a very difficult thing that took a lot of practice or did you kind of get the hang of it? No, it takes a lot of practice. Uh, I'm going, I'm just, just over a year now and I'm still getting better at it. Like I'm still working on it. And it helped to like write it down first to help to understand exactly where it was coming from. So like I started seeing this therapist when I was getting panic attacks because Mm -hmm. when I would do road gigs or like I went on vacation, something happened in my mind where it was like a switch went off and I just felt like I'm trapped. I'm alone. Mm -hmm. I'm scared for some reason, even though none of those things were reality. And it was like an overwhelming feeling of doom. And then Mm -hmm. I would have like very extreme reactions. Like I would throw up, I wouldn't be able to sleep. Like it was Mm -hmm. very consuming. And um, instead of accepting uh, that feeling, like the therapist before him told me to, she was just like, when you start feeling that way, just accept it, go on this journey. It's not going to last forever. Um, It does. It does last forever. Mm -hmm. And it comes back. Mm -hmm. It might go away for like an hour, but it'll come back as soon as your body is rested enough to to fire (laughs) up the cortisol and adrenaline again um you see and it's just about being about like the, uh sorry no finish oh no and it's just about being like so instead of saying i'm alone and i'm trapped mm-hmm. on vacation uh you're just like i i'm not alone i'm actually here with a bunch of people who can take care of me right. i have access to a pharmacy i'm totally safe and then you just do some sort of activity. And then when you create that space in your mind and you can kind of get away from those thoughts, then yeah. you can look in and be like, oh yeah, that was crazy. Like you're actually fine. Okay. Literally, like I know exactly that fear and how that feels like that, like way, the way you were describing it, like I ha- I know exactly how that feels. And I have personally never done, I've actually never been to a therapist, which is like, yikes. Uh, but talking about cognitive behavioral therapy, I actually kind of taught myself to do that because mm-hmm. I was like, again, like at a 12 all the time. And then yeah. you literally just have to go like your feet are planted on the ground and you are, um, I don't know, sitting on a couch and you're watching TV in your own apartment. You're fine. Like no one's coming for you. Like it's going to be okay. Um, and you just have to oh, right, get out of your head and like actually remind yourself of the things in your life that you're surrounded by that are good, that are always there. When the lockdown first happened, the like the first lockdown in March or whatever, um, the gay village in Toronto where I live like turned into a fucking Mad Max, like ghost town. People were like smashing in windows. It was just like crack attack. It was half past crack, like every hour on the hour like it was just I was afraid to leave the apartment literally to go grocery shopping that I would drive on the other side of the city but the thing is is a lot of that was for me like an irrational fear because I would see people walking around all the time and I would just be too afraid to go out because I was 
was afraid that something was going to happen. But then I also have to remind myself of my own privilege. It's like, I'm a white man. Like, I think that I, I need to remember that. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I look at things like I'm afraid of them, but it's like a, a woman, for example, could be afraid of me. So it's like, you really kind of need to remember and remind yourself of like your station and also like, you're in your fucking head. Like you need to relax. Like it's just, you're creating this and believing in it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's exactly what it is. And to some people, like that seems really simple. Like Mm -hmm. when I first like was explaining it to some friends, they're just like, oh, they're just like, yeah, you didn't know to do that. Or like, you don't do that. And I'm just like, no, because somebody that is anxious is not in their rational mind all the time. Like good Mm -hmm. for you for being able to talk yourself out of and have this extreme self-control. That's great. Give mm-hmm. yourself a pat on the back. But some people need <laughs> extra help and yeah. who gives a shit, right? Like, why do you have to be so right. judgmental about it? And it's not an easy thing to do depending on where you're at mentally. And somebody who maybe uh, is able to be in their rational mind all the time probably struggles with something else that to us might not seem like that much of a struggle, but I'm not judging you for it. Well, see, my... Um anxiety and, and, um, you know, panic attacks and stuff were really bad in my early twenties. And then literally I learned to get a really solid hold on it. And I was really in control and I wasn't really having like panic attacks anymore. I hadn't had panic attack in forever. And then, uh, do you know what a Saturn return is? (laughs) I should. Is it astrology related? (laughs) It is astrology related. And basically it's when like, Saturn or Jupiter or something lines up like every every third every 30 years you get one and um it basically when you're in the middle of a Saturn return you realize like like you're you're gonna die one day and you have these existential moments and you're like what is all of this and anyway in astrology they call it your Saturn return and I don't really know if I believe in that, but I will say that that is exactly what happened to me. And that is actually what I had. And I just suddenly realized like, oh my God, I one day will just not be like, I am just not going to be here. And then I just was like, oh my God. And then I had this horrible, horrible panic attack where I was dry heaving and like, mm. it was super traumatic. And I, um, Uh, at the time was drinking way too much. And so my anxiety was already like, and then this was just like the final piece of the Jenga puzzle and it all came crashing down. I had to cancel a gig out in Calgary and I have never in my life canceled a comedy gig. Nothing like that. Like I've never had to do that. I had to cancel my flight, um, which it's not free to do by the way. And uh, it, it like, it was a hot mess. I was friends with Shanti Morastiga at the time and they, I called them and I was like, I need you to call Yuck Yucks right now. Cause I was literally just bawling my eyes out, like hyperventilating. And I was like, I need you to call Yuck Yucks right now and tell Ryan that that gig in Calgary that I have to do on Wednesday is for sure not happening. I actually like, I think I need to check myself into like a mental health facility. Like this is a fucking hot mess. And then Daniel, who was living, we weren't living together yet. We had just started, we had just started dating. And I was actually really on the fence about Daniel. Um, this isn't like a secret. I, I, this isn't like something that like I haven't told him. We talk about this all the time. But when I first started dating Daniel, I was used to like very toxic men in chaotic relationships where Daniel in comparison was like 
in my mind, boring because he like had a good job. He was nice. I was like, ugh. And then when I was like canceling the gig and I was like, uh, I was stayed at his apartment and um, he literally took care of me for like two weeks. And that was, that was how I knew that I, it's like, don't let go of him. Do you know what I mean? Cause like, he is here for you when you are literally at your worst, like girl down. Like I was down, like girl down. And yeah. he took care of me for two weeks and it was, it was very lovely. Very wow. That's so cute. I wish I had somebody like that in my life. Shit. <laughs> I've got to do You could borrow things. Daniel for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I will borrow Daniel. I have told you that I have a crush on your boyfriend and that stands Everybody has a little bit of a, everybody has a little bit of a crush with Daniel. I've, I've learned to realize that like whenever we go into like a gay bar, he's just like swarmed. I always have to fire at least one warning shot. Like every time <laughs> we go out, like That's he's so mine, funny. ladies. That's amazing. Um, so what did you do to, like, what did you do after that? Like where, what was your like recovery moment? Like after those two weeks passed and you canceled that gig, did you check yourself into somewhere or what was the next step? Um, no, because I knew that a big part of the reason why I was feeling the way that I was feeling was because, um, I had a really bad consumption problem because when I was in Orleans in Ottawa, before I moved to Toronto in 2017, I drank like once, maybe twice a week. I just didn't, you know, I didn't really need, want to, or I didn't really drink that much. But then when I moved to Toronto, this was the first move in my entire life where like I made a decision that was just for me. And I moved to the city by myself and I just like decided to take my own life. I was always just doing what everybody else thought I should do. And this was like, no, I'm going to be a comedian. I'm moving. I'm like just going for it. And then when I got here, I met Shanti Morostka and I met other LGBTQ people and like where I came from, there was really none of that. And I, I had never had like a gay friend before. And then uh, I could do a show every single night. And then at every show you get drink tickets. So like every single night for like, honestly, like almost a year, year and a half, I was like fucking either wasted or like I had a couple and it was just every single day. And then leading up to um, this giant panic attack where I had the Saturn return, you know, I I turned 30. uh, I had to completely reevaluate like what are you doing Kyle are you here to just get fucking wasted all the time or are you here to be a comedian um because it's affecting your mental health and um you're throwing up from like this is just like you need to stop you know so I got sober for a month uh I don't know if I'm really a person that wants to give up drinking but girl I went from like every single day to like once a week you know what I mean And in the lockdown now, obviously I'm drinking like two or three times a week. But the thing is, is that like, that was a really big step for me to just like, whoa, I noticed a lot. My brain was less foggy and honestly smoking weed uh, has just been such a lifesaver for my anxiety because not a lot, like you don't get like fucking baked. You just like have some and then like, it just like, it just, you're like, <gasps> and then I have a little bit of weed. And then you're like, oh, it just like right. takes the edge off for me. That's amazing. Um, I'm kind of envious of people that smoke weed for anxiety though, because uh, I, I like my anxiety also comes from 
not being able to control my physical state. And I start to have panic attacks when I feel like I uh, am out of control of like how my body is reacting to something. And Mm -hmm. if weed, like I tried it once, but it was like, not really, like I didn't smoke it. Like I I had an oil and that's Mm -hmm. 10 times worse from what I hear. Anyway, it just made me really lightheaded. And the same thing with drinking, like it makes me lightheaded immediately. And to me, that's not like, that's more stressful. Cause I'm like, oh shit. Like, I don't want to feel, I don't want anything physical to happen from this. Like, I don't want my body well, to like anywhere except for my head. Like if I feel relaxed in my arms or like my chest, that's great. But as soon mm-hmm. as I start getting lightheaded, I'm like, I need to drink like four cups of water and have a sandwich or something well see that's good for you and honestly it will help your skin for the rest of your (laughs) life because drinking alcohol like girl like I have like dark circles and like it's from years of drinking and I know that but whatever when when I'm 40 I'll do fillers yeah my dark circles are from stress it's just a weird it's like a weird Mm -hmm. cycle it's like the only thing that can really break it for me is like totally getting out of my head and like going for a long walk or like a long car ride or something like that. And just like Mm -hmm. fully engaging, cleaning my bathroom, shit like that really helps. Yeah. Me too. Actually. Same, same cleaning my bathroom. I don't know why it's just that one always, that one always relaxes me. It's, it's a way of being in control, but getting like, just relating this to, to comedy for a second. Um, I, what is, what do you think it is where it's sort of like, performers and stand-up comedians like have really bad anxiety problems for the most part like in general not all of them but in general but somehow gravitate toward the scariest thing which is public speaking and we gravitate toward the thing that everyone is most afraid of what is that Um, you know what I mean Is, is it because we thrive in chaos I was actually just going to say, I was uh, reading something from this like psychotherapist online. I was like reading this article. This was like a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who or from where, but they said that people with um, anxiety tend to enter, like they enjoy being in environments where like the outside matches the inside. And it's about like finding, I guess, parallels. So if stand-up is like, if you feel chaos in yourself, I guess if stand-up is the most chaotic uh, business that you could be in, then maybe that makes sense. But I also think there's a lot of other common themes. Like I haven't met one comedian that wasn't like bullied in elementary school or high school Mm. um, or come from like dysfunctional families or something like that. Like, I, I just feel like there's so many other, so many other themes. Do you ever, as you get older, look back to uh, situations that were fucked up that at the time you didn't think was fucked up? And then like, as you're getting older, you like look back on it and you're like, huh. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah. That, w- that, was, that, was, that was really fucked up. Like, I remember, like, I used to be so, like uh, people are always like, they would assume oh, you're gay, so you were bullied in high school. And it's like, no, like, not really because I, uh, you know, I like, I have a temper. So maybe that would like intimidate people. And maybe like, I also kind of kept to myself a lot, but then I actually really do think about it. And you're like, it's not necessarily that somebody was like, give me your lunch money. going to beat me up kind of bully. It's more sort of like the fact that you purposely weren't included or people like would always say like, are you gay? And it's like, what, why are you asking me that? Or like, um, 
the teacher, well, my, I remember I had a, uh, a science teacher in grade 10 who like went on this long rant about why you should never do drugs. And the reason why is because if you do, you'll start making out with your buddies. Like it was the most disgusting, shameful thing. So don't do drugs because it turns you high school. I went to a Catholic high school. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that's the just, problem. Fuck. But you know, <laughs> you, 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 you think back on that and you're like, that is so fucked that you were telling that to children. Like, this is, it's like, you're just planting seeds like with all of these kids. And then when you get older, you're like, what the fuck? Like one time. So I have this joke where I say, um, performing in small town Canada is scary because I've been attacked after shows. I was once choked in a parking lot and I never reported it because I was so hard. So that joke is very loosely based on, I was at a new year's party. It was like 20, 21 or whatever. It was at my friend. Uh, my friends Amanda's and she had some guests over I didn't really know all of them and um one of our girlfriends's boyfriend's brother showed up and this fucking dude had such a chip on his shoulder we like arm wrestled as like a joke because we were playing a drinking game and then I was like because I was just this skinny little waif and he was like this big fucking guy so I was like if anybody asks I'll just say that I won and he got so fucking mad about that. He started choking me and like calling me a faggot in the middle of the party and no one helped me. And then after I like, because somebody uh, like came in and was like, hey man, I think that's enough. I think that's enough. It's like, there shouldn't, it shouldn't have ever happened at all, first of all. And um, he did it again. I can't remember. It was like later on in the evening, I was in the emergency stairwell and I was coming up because I had like a cigarette or something. I, was like, I can't remember. And he cornered me in the, in the stairwell and like just fucking attacked me again. And then oh I like told my friend, uh, she hates this story because she is not this person, but we were like beyond blackout. She didn't believe me. She didn't believe any of it happened. And she was like, Kyle, you know, you're a really dramatic person. You exaggerate a lot. I just don't believe you. And then she actually went home with him and like went to hook up with him. And then like, he started choking her. So then she was like, ah, fuck. And then the next day everything was fine. And like, we talked it out and it was literally just like, what the fuck? But then a decade passed and I look back on that situation. I'm like, oh my God, I was literally hate crimed in the middle of a party and no one helped me. And you're just like, what the fuck? Like what the actual fuck? But then, you know, Glee and like Lady Gaga comes out and then suddenly everybody's like, okay guys, it's okay to be gay now. And then suddenly everybody like switches their tune of how their attitude is toward. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like this was, this was like 10 years ago. This wasn't, this wasn't like the eighties. Like this was, this was 10 years ago. And you all were active participants in this and you all just stood there and no one helped me while like my face was turning fucking red. Like that's, oh my God, that's horrifying. Like that is, that's horrifying. This is a, this uh, is a very upbeat kind of podcast. <laughs> this is a dark. This is a dark podcast. That's no, that's horrifying. I'm I am so sorry that you had to go through that. Jesus Christ. Hundred percent. Oh, Rachel Ray's on in the background. Let me just turn that off. Okay, I love her. We love her. Oh, I absolutely love watching her cook. She is. Uh, whoops. She is. You controlling that from your laptop? I am doing it from my phone, actually. Oh my! God. It's like because we have Apple TV, so it's like if you have an iPhone, you're phone turns into a television remote okay i'm obsessed with that yeah it's cool 
That's amazing. What the fuck? I'm living in the 1800s compared to you guys. Um, <laughs> so since we're on the topic of mental health, what um, do you like meditate? You know, I was, I did a, I did my podcast with, um, I had Dina Jackson on once as a guest uh, and she is, you know, very like into yoga and like into spiritualness and um, mental health. And one of them is the um, meditating. So I actually went to one of those like meditation gyms where like you sit on like a really weird pillow that you tuck your legs into and then you just sit in silence and it's just, you know, <laughs> it's like Amberly, and she's like, and just take all of your negative thoughts and breathe them out. Just <laughs> And it's, it's just that for like an hour. And I felt fantastic afterwards. I was super relaxed. I was yeah. super chill. I've done float tanks. Um, and I should be meditating more, but I just, eh. there's something weird about like, just like sitting in silence for, I need to like, go to a class, I think I would have a hard time doing it on my own is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, have you been doing meditation? So something that I learned recently uh, what is that, and I am so bad with forgetting people's names, but he is a psychotherapist and he studies meditation and neurology as well. And he's just like this brilliant guy. I, I will get his name and I'll put it in the introduction of this podcast because like I think Deepak he's- Deepak Chopra or something? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, and he said that sometimes meditation works, sometimes it doesn't, depending on your level of anxiety. Because mm -hmm. apparently, according to like our primal brain, <clears throat> when you experience anxiety, it's because you're, there's a, some sort of threat. There's some sort of like physical uh, threat. And whether it's, it's obviously it's changed now. Like when we were cave people, it was getting food and it was like, being afraid of, you know, being eaten alive, but now it's changed. Whereas now it's like, uh, I'll feel anxious if I miss a gig because then I feel like I'm missing out on money. And now I'm missing mm -hmm. out on food supply. It's like that kind mm -hmm. of chain reaction thing. Mm -hmm. um, but he said that sitting still doesn't work for some people and the motion of going forward. That's why a lot of people like going for walks or runs or long drives um, is really calming. Just be just fast forward motions because apparently it triggers the same response as like our primal brain when you are like running away from a predator, and it's like you're getting oh. away from the thing that was making you feel so anxious. See, because if I'm on the phone with someone, I literally walk laps around my apartment. Like I walk and I talk and I go, or I'll pace back and forth, and it's like. I'm, I, I don't even notice myself doing it. And then I'm yeah. like, why am I pacing? Like, it just, it calms me yeah. on the phone. I don't know. Yeah. That's so weird. And it's just, it's some, it's some, for some people, again, it's common knowledge. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. That's why people run and that's why they do things. But it's so interesting to know the reason why it's like, oh, cause that the primal part of your brain is being activated. And mm -hmm. in order to um, like stimulate that response that we used to have back when we were like cave people of running away from our predator and getting away from the thing that was chasing us <clears throat> is walking and running because it's like that forward motion that works for some people. Yeah, I <laughs> listen, I uh, like exercise is, is probably the most important thing to my mental health because I always, it just makes me feel so much better. And like, um, like mentally, I mean, 
to work out, but I cannot do these home workouts. It's not a workout. I'm sorry, but like, I, no, I don't like, like working really, out that way. It is hard to do um, a lot. Like for me, like going to the gym was like an activity. It's like, I'm getting out of my house to go and do something. Exactly. And, uh, and it sounds because obviously we're living in these times and you just have to make it happen because we can't go to the gym anymore. But when you, when I'm exercising in my room, this is why people say like, don't eat in your room. Don't work in your room. Like your bedroom is for sleep and sleep only. So that when you come to bed, you associate it with sleeping. Whereas like, if you work out in your room and you work in your room and you eat in your room, it's like, now you're associating it with all these different activities and it becomes less of like a calm space for you to, to sleep. No, a hundred percent. I remember being a student and like, yeah, when I was like living in a basement apartment and it was like my eating area, reading area, sleeping area, everything area. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. Uh, so anyway, so to answer your question of if I meditate, so I realized I kind of went on a tangent there. That's okay. Um, yes. I meditate sometimes. I can only meditate after like a workout because then I feel like I've been depleted of some energy and I'm able to mm-hmm. like focus. Mm-hmm. But if I'm like, if I have an anxious thought, I can't sit and stir with it and like try to meditate it out. I it totally get that. Yeah. yeah and I'm like, get up, get out. Doesn't matter that it's raining or snowing. Just go out of the house. <laughs> Daniel has a really bad habit with that. Every time that we're hungover, if there's a snowstorm or like it's pouring rain, he's like, we need to go for a walk right now. And it drives me. I'm like, no, like I'm not going for a walk right like now. If, no. If it's raining, like if there's like a hurricane outside, he's like, we need to go outside. Yeah. When we yeah. had that big snowstorm uh, last Sunday or the Sunday before, yeah, he, he was like, we need to go out right now and like exercise or go for a walk or do, I was like, it's a, there's a snowstorm going on. Like, Is it because no, he I'm knows not. you're going to be trapped in the house for like the next few days to come or? so I mean he works at home all the time and I just think that on the weekends he feels he feels guilty if he doesn't go out because it's really his only opportunity to go out because he works like 12 hour days you know yeah 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 yeah. I get it yeah I haven't I'm not like I never considered myself an outdoorsy person until we entered like the pandemic like I fucking hate like Mm. I don't like I don't like sweating outside and if it's too hot outside, like in the summer, like I don't, I don't like doing hikes and shit in the summer because it's too hot. And then it's like, I'm, yeah, I overheat too easily. Yeah. I am, I am, I am my anxiety, like not my depression, but my anxiety is probably the worst in the summer. Yeah. I don't know why I don't like, I'm such a Canadian in that regard where it's like, I like everything to be freezing cold and like, I'm cold blooded. It's like the second that I feel like I'm hot or uncomfortable in any way. Oh my God. It affects my mood so much worse than being hangry any day. Yeah. No, no, no. Being hot is, it is, uh, it's really bad. I get anxiety in the summer too, because you're trapped uh, cold helps with anxiety because when you're anxious, your body is naturally hot. Mm-hmm. so going outside in the summertime doesn't really help like I need to be cool like I'm I sleep with ice packs on my neck wow that's yeah. that's intense yeah it's, it is really intense yeah well because when I moved into this building when you live in like a high-rise building you like depending on how old it is it's like um a radiator not like a thermostat that you can change the temperature in each unit so yeah. we ha- were just like given like the building, they're like, well, we control the temperature of the building at all times. 
uh, last year, it was so hot in our apartment. Like the windows were like steamed up because it was so hot. And I had to get them to come in and like essentially turn off the radiators because it was just unbearable. And I I was living in a a basement before that. So I was used to it being super cold, but yeah, no. Oh, Toronto. (laughs) Um, I heard a conspiracy theory, uh, which I'm not gonna share because it doesn't really help but i i hear multiple conspiracy theories about covid as i'm as soon as the pandemic started conspiracy theorists just went off the fucking grid with sure <laughs> conspiracy videos and there's some guy that um my stepdad works with who um sent him an email of a conspiracy theory and i was like why is this guy that you work with sending you conspiracy theory videos like that's fucking weird first of all stop talking to him he's insane yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it was like an email it was like a leaked email or some shit and I was like this is fucked like I can't I can't listen to the news anymore I can't listen to like these weird conspiracy theory videos like I just have to take everything day by day and just rate like I'm not I'm not listening to the news anymore I don't care it's not that I don't care about what's going on it's just that if something miraculous was to happen Mm -hmm. or there was big news that was very important for everyone to know I would hear about it somehow right it is also yeah. triggering also just like watching the news because they really have got to stop focusing on these like anti-maskers and the people that are like, oh my God, like the government invented COVID to control the world. And it's like, oh my God, like why why do we keep sensationalizing that? Why do we keep like, t- it's like, if we just don't talk about it, then they won't, they won't have a platform. Uh, there's like a parade that goes up and down the village uh, and they're all anti-maskers and um, they're all white by the way. And it's literally like, you know, white people inconvenienced feels like oppression. (laughs) And it's literally like, um, there are literally people with no faces, like, or somebody got their arm blown off in some fucking, uh, you know, war torn civil war situation country, but you have to wear a cloth on your face and that is like violating your rights as a human being like oh do you want me to make you a grilled cheese like fuck you (laughs) like we all have to wear it i am very vocal about um people not wearing masks online i don't give a fuck i am so confrontational about it in public um i will make faces at people that are not even and and people that are my my biggest pet peeve is people that have like those weird chin ones where and it's like plastic and it connects to your chin and oh it's yeah i've seen it's those like, they're so weird what's the point of that what's the point of that it's like a sneeze guard from like a salad bar on your face yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And so like, you're going to sneeze into it. It's going to come flying up into the air. Oh, um, it doesn't do anything. It's like, why don't you just put a, just anything else on, on your face? Like anything. Have you been like creatively productive at all? I mean, other than the podcast, obviously, but have you been writing a lot of comedy in lockdown? Um, just to like keep the routine of it. Uh, actually, it's an interesting question. I was, I, I feel like sometimes when I'm like writing stand up. Um, it's like an emotional thing for me because it's like, I know that it's going to be a while until I'm going to get to do this again. Mm-hmm. I'm just doing this for when shows are able to happen again. I can do them with this new material and I have things to like try out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but it kind of makes me mourn the loss of like society that once was and it is like kind of sad in and of itself it's like sitting down to write kind of like reminds me of the the sad truth which is that it's gonna it's gonna be a minute until things you know are you writing jokes about covid uh some some about covid some not yeah i find that um whenever you know we were submitting for the uh, the taping that we did for the stand up with John Doerr there. Um, I know that JFL with their tapings, uh, one thing that I noticed is I don't think that they like topical. I don't think they like, they like to broadcast topical t- type of humor. And I think that they refer to it as evergreen, which means mm-hmm. that you can. So it's like, if you're a comedian and you're writing all this material about COVID and stuff like that, I don't think that the festivals they because I think everybody just wants to pretend like it's not happening because they're like, oh my God, like this just sucks. Everybody knows how much it sucks. And now if I turn on the TV and I'm watching a comedian, he's also talking about how much it sucks. So it's just like this really vicious cycle of like negativity. So maybe like, you know, um, I personally, what I'm saying is that like, if you are a stand-up comedian and you're writing comedy, maybe it's not a good idea to write COVID material because I, I don't know if people are going to want it. <laughs> Right. I, yeah, I guess that's at the end of the day. But also I'm like, I don't want to rely on uh, like festivals to tell me what I should and shouldn't be like writing about, like what's oh, yeah. relevant. It's because, just like, one obviously, when you, Exactly, exactly. And it's like when you go to, uh, you know, whatever, like when you start doing shows again, it's like people will want to, I think, hear about that mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm headlining the Ottawa Yuck Yucks this weekend. Um, oh, I didn't know that was still open. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah, it's mostly just Toronto that like we're all completely shut down, but I'm headlining the club. I did it there the last time and it was as safe as it could be. You literally perform in like a penalty box from like a hockey game. Like it's this big clear plastic like cage and you're like inside of it and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't feel unsafe uh, performing it at, at these places, uh, but just talking about like COVID material and performing stand-up comedy and stuff like that uh, for the shows that I actually have done, I have not talked about COVID at all because I just think that we're all sick of it. So yeah. I, I personally don't talk about it at all. Yeah. It's kind of like the new Trump joke type of thing. Right. Which like, Ugh, that is just another thing that I, well, I mean that, a, that's a good uh, thing that yeah. he's gone but like yeah. I'm just so sick of hearing about him it's like oh my yeah. god you lost fuck off like it's yeah. it's annoying at this point <laughs> it's not entertaining right. it's just annoying yeah 100 percent um <laughs> it's also it's like I'm pretty sure like what, what ended up happening with that oil spill in the gulf of Mexico like isn't there something else that we can talk about in the news like it's just so trump based i didn't even know that there was an oil spill in the gulf of mexico oh this is like yeah this is like years ago there's like like oh yeah i'm sure yeah it's i remember that it'd be interesting to have like a breaking news story about how like our oceans are being depleted of all nutrients oh my Um, god every now and then just like every now and then (laughs) i've been watching a lot of those like uh david attenborough netflix this is a dance they've danced before, like kind of, you know, very BBC <laughs> yeah, yeah. Earth yeah. kind of thing. And he did that thing. It was like his final farewell. And he's like coming in live from Chernobyl. And he's like showing that like nature will grow back. But like we're the, as human beings, like we're the, we're the, we're the problem. And like, we're the ones that are like ruining our home 
And yeah. um, he like had this like 10 point plan at the end of like how to like fix the world and how to make things sustainable again. And the, the main one was to stop eating and relying on meat as much as we do. And uh, I think that that will never happen. I think that if it does happen, it's like the world is literally going to just be completely on fire and we're all going to be dying before people give up their meat because I don't really eat that much meat, but like, I don't know if I could fully give up meat. Yeah, it's like, it, it has to be an option for people. And I think that it's about finding a balance between the two, you know, just like you yeah. don't have to have meat every single night. It's, it's legitimately very bad for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, just have like a plant-based diet, like what it's three nights a week. You know Are you what vegetarian? I mean? uh, no, I'm not, but I go, I will go out of my way to like, not like my family, like they like eating steak and mm-hmm. meat, like different kinds of meat. Uh, and I'm just like, I'll just have like a tofu thing tonight. Like I had red meat yesterday. It's not yeah. good for your heart. I will get, hang on. I will give it a minute. Do you know what actually has brought me a lot of joy in the lockdown is, um, learning to cook everything from scratch. Yeah. So it's like, I'll make like sauces or stir fries or, uh, last night I made a lemon garlic herb roasted chicken. Oh my God. For the fuck of it. Yeah. It was very fancy. And like, that sounds so good. You know, just, just for the fuck of it. And literally like, I, uh, I I feel very happy and, 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 and calm when I'm cooking. I think it's like a control thing. I don't know, but I love it. Like it's the one thing that brings me joy. (laughs) Right. No, it's uh, yeah. Baking things like that. It's like you get into like this meditative state. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you have to be present, like doing activities that force you to be present, like playing an instrument or like mm-hmm. multitasking is great because it's like, you can't, you actually cannot do this right. If you are not fully present and like thinking about what you're going to do next. And like, if you're reading music, you're thinking about that next note constantly. And it's, there's two things going on at the same time. Right. It's great. Yeah. I love it's it. Great. Yeah. Um, we were t- talking quickly about, um, material and not writing it. There was, there was this one, there's this bit that I'm working on and it's about, and by working on, I just mean like writing and rewriting until I feel like it's sure. good enough to perform at an open mic when those come back. Sure. Uh, I went to get a couple moles removed from my back. This was like a month ago. doesn't matter. And my, the surgeon that was doing it was uh like I don't think he was like a full anti-masker because he was wearing a mask but he was talking to me about how like all doctors think that it's bullshit and he's just like yeah he's like I got a 13 year old daughter I send her to school he's like I I don't tell her to wear a mask he's like blah 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 and like yeah he was just talking a lot about like his views on mask versus no mask and I'm like is that how confident are you in that yeah. argument when you're telling me that while I'm literally under a knife? Like I could not be more vulnerable right now. There's no, yeah. I can't, I'm not in a position where I can disagree with you at all. And the joke is like, what if I put you on the table and like put a knife to your back and just started talking to you about the negative traits of being an Aries, you know, it's yep. like, would, <laughs> you would be so ready to agree with that. 
That is coming from a medical professional, like one of the worst things that you could hear right now from yeah. a medical professional. Like yeah. that's fucked. Also, cause I actually have moles on my stomach and this is not about the mask. It's really just about the procedure. Does it hurt to get them removed? No, it doesn't. No, it really doesn't. They just like freeze it and they like scrape it off with something. And then afterwards it's like, you don't even feel the pain afterwards. Like it just feels like they put a bandage over it and you just keep putting polysporin over it. It's like, if you scratch hmm. your knee. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've my whole life I've had, uh, my whole life I've had, uh, these two moles that are like on my, like where my belly is like near my, my, um, belly button actually. And my ex, uh, I was with him for a bit. The way that we met was he literally, uh, was like, Ew, like he said something like, do you have melanoma? Like that was the first thing that he said to me. And I was literally like, no, I don't have melanoma, you fucking dick. I was like, <laughs> it's just a mole. Like, why would you ask me that? And then he like made a joke. And then like, I like, I found that charming. And then like, we like got to know each other and stuff like that. But literally like, what an awful thing to say to someone. <laughs> like the first, the first thing that you say to right. someone Hey, do you have a life-threatening disease <laughs> that's gone undetected for years? <laughs> and then I dated him for a year. <laughs> do you have a routine? Do you have like a daily routine that you follow? Uh, yeah, I don't like to wake up anything uh, later than like 10 o'clock in the morning. Like, you know, even though I'm going to be in the apartment basically all day, I want to at least try to have some sort of bedtime and some sort of time when I wake up. Um, but normally I try to write uh, or just do something creative or, or, or productive. Um, but for the most part, no, like not, I, I smoke a lot of weed and like, I just like watch all of the Netflix, but I, I do try to, I do try to create um, just to make myself not go crazy uh, but not really like sort of. Yeah. Like loosely. Yeah. So yeah. I've I uh, got to stay busy. Yeah. My, my latest activity is I'm going to go to every coffee shop within like a 10 kilometer radius of my house until I find like a cute barista yeah. <laughs> and slowly make them my boyfriend. That's what I'm, that's what I'm choosing to do with my time. That's a, that's a great idea. Although, uh, how well can you get to know them? Cause I'm assuming it's very in and out. <laughs> Good question. Um, I just talked to one of my friends who like asked out a barista the other day mm. and he was just like, he was like, yeah, like, are, I'm like, how are, yeah. How do you do that? Because those exchanges are so short term. And he's like, I just went there like long enough. And I was just there like every day until eventually we talked about enough that I just like asked him out and I'm like, that's inspiring. That is so inspiring. I have to do it because the dating apps are not working out for me. They're very depressing. Sure. Um, nobody depressing. Why? Like, cause the guys are garbage. Yeah. They just don't, here's the thing. Uh, they don't ask you anything about yourself. And I'm not sure mm -hmm. if that's like, because everybody on dating apps either just got out of a relationship or isn't looking for anything serious or if it's because these are all people in their 20s and mm. nobody gives a fuck anyway probably but <laughs> it's impossible to find anybody that like asks you anything about yourself like I'm amazed at how many questions I will ask 
a guy until he asks me one question about myself. Sometimes it never happens. That is so bizarre because isn't the whole point of a of a date is to get to know the person? Like that's so weird. But that yeah, doesn't well, surprise me. I find most straight yeah. boys have garbage social skills like in general. Yeah. Yes, that is also part of the problem. And it's Ugh. like, damn, fuck. I went out with this guy who was a personal trainer. I'm now I'm starting to like look at the type of jobs that they have because I do feel like that makes a difference in terms of uh how attentive somebody is to your emotions mm-hmm. and how invested they are in in you. Like I truly think, like I went out with uh a guy who was a personal trainer. Mm-hmm. And like, he was asking the best questions and he was like, so encouraging. Like I only knew him for like a short amount of time. We only went on a couple of dates, but like the things that I shared about him with comedy, he was like so supportive and encouraging and like, Love it just that. felt great. And then all the other guys are like j- jazz drummers or some fucking <laughs> music producer. I have a joke about that too. Everybody's a fucking music producer. Uh, now. Really? Anyway. Like legit? No, like not, like not legit. Like I went out on a date with this guy who was like, he's like, I am a music producer. And I was like, okay, so like, do you work for a record label? Or like, what are you talking about? And he was like, no, like I make my own music. And uh, uh-huh. he's like, I just mix songs that already exist and then like play them out loud for my friends. And I was like, <laughs> that's literally listening to the radio. Like that's legit <laughs> radio. You're a radio host. It's fucked, wow. man. Wow he is the architect of his own career look at that mm-hmm. wow um yeah and it's like they don't they really don't ask you fucking anything so now it's it's so rare to find like any guy that asks me one question about myself like the bar is so low that I'm like <laughs> keeper and it's like it's just basic human decency at this point really well I remember like I have been on a lot of really, really bad first dates and I'm a very much a serial monogamist. I'm always in a relationship. And um, when I'm not slutted up for, for a little bit, and then I'm just like, I'm right back into a relationship again. And there was one date that I went on where the guy wanted to go to this nice restaurant and he wanted me to meet him at the, at his apartment, uh, you know, wearing like fancy clothes, uh, and then we were going to walk over to the restaurant cause it was really close to his apartment. And then I got there, he was wearing board shorts, high top shoes and a wife beater. And he had his dog with him and like a bag to like scoop his poop. And he was like, Hey, and then the dog, I love dogs. This dog, I do not love. This dog is out of control. And the way that he like would just let his dog be so destructive and so disrespectful of everyone's personal space. It was such a turnoff. Like right. I will judge you so hard on how you raise your animal. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like this yeah. dog was out of control. So he goes, yeah. oh, we just have to go to the uh, the uh, dog park really quickly I by Allen Gardens. And I was like, I'm literally wearing like dress shoes and like a suit. Yeah. I'm not going to go and pick up dog shit. What is wrong with you? And then he decided when we were like halfway there that he didn't want to go to this restaurant anymore, that he just wanted to like hang out at his apartment instead because he was like wanting to save money. And I was like, okay. And I remember on the way back home, he goes, oh, I got you something, by the way. And I was like, what? Do you remember those like live 
strong like yellow arm bracelets oh my god from like 2004 yeah Yeah, he had like one of those but he worked for um act which is the aids committee of toronto he like gave me one of their like rubber bands but like the package was already open so it was like garbage and he just handed it to me and he was like he was like oh here you go this is for you and i just kind of looked at it and i thought he was joking but i didn't want to i was like but wait a minute. I thought the old lady dropped it into the ocean in the end. Like, I just didn't know. I was like, I have no idea what to say. Like, you're, this is a disaster of a date. Like, what is wrong with you? This is your yeah. first impression. Um, right. And uh, anyway. Yeah. It's amazing, like, how some people just fully don't give a fuck. Like, and yeah. the thing is, like, I, I, I honestly don't get it. I, I'm like, I do get it because it's like, you clearly lack a decent amount of introspection because it's like if you were not emotionally ready to go on a date because you either just got out of a relationship or you just don't like dating at all um then why why drag yourself out of your house you clearly don't want to be here yeah go home I have left dates before because guys what that was on one date where this guy just brought up a story about his ex-girlfriend And I was like, if you do that one more time, I'm just getting out of here. And that's not because I'm jealous. And that's not because I'm not like cool and with it. It's like, there's a time and place. You don't, I'm not a best friend to you. It's not like we were friends and we're going out on a date. Like, I don't know you at all. So like, just have it in your mind that like, oh yeah, that would be inappropriate and slightly offensive if I was to bring up my ex-girlfriend in front of this date. You know, one thing that drives me crazy about (laughs) men is like, if Daniel and I are very clearly in a relationship, um, it doesn't stop gay men from like sliding into his DMs or sliding into my DMs. And, you know, Daniel and I are monogamish. We're sort of like, if something happens, like it's okay, but you can't like actively look for it kind of thing. And just some of the people that are creeping in and you just say like, oh, like I have a boyfriend. Um, I live with my boyfriend as in like, it's serious. And they just don't give a shit. They're like, but me though. And it's literally like, oh my God, like actually fuck off. I will block you. I literally, I can't stand you. It's like, it's, it's like, do you think that that impresses me that like you are completely disregarding my situation and my feelings? It's like, if anything, I hate you even more, like fuck off. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, you kind of mentioned that you're a serial monogamist. Mm-hmm. And I'm always so interested to hear that because I am very much the opposite. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. And like I'm not you like, like to be single all the time. Yeah, but not in a way that I don't. I don't like to be single because I'm like, oh, I love being single. I love flirting with everybody, and it's just like this really fun. Like I love having fun and freedom. It's like it takes a lot for me to feel like secure and comfortable with somebody. Like it takes a lot, and it takes a decent amount of time. And I haven't met anybody that is patient enough. Um, and I haven't met anybody that is like, I I don't want to like, this is going to sound so well, don't force anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like this is going to sound super egotistical, but it's just like, look, like I feel like maybe for my age, I'm a little bit more introspective than most people my age. And it's like, if you are lacking that, I can identify it right away. I know. And it's like, I already know that this isn't going anywhere because you're, I, I just already know how this is going to end. Like I already know. Like I'm going to get my feelings. Like intellectually, you have to have somebody that's like intellectually stimulating. I completely 
completely yeah. understand where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've never like been attracted to somebody's like looks and been like you, like you're the one. Right. It's like, if you say something that's like really like that, I find kind of like off-putting and that changes all the time, right. uh, then <laughs> sure. I will probably not see you again. I mean that, but that, that makes total sense. I mean, when I would, how old are you? You're 24? Uh, 23. You're 23. When I was your age, I was actually dating guys that were a lot older than me, like seven, eight years older than me, because like, yeah. that's kind of like mentally where I was at. Like I, I, I generally had friends that were older than me and, and things like that. So talking about, you know, um, especially being at your age and being introspective, I completely understand what that's like and what that was like at that age, because it's like you as a comedian, especially a working comedian. See, I was, I started when I was your age. Okay. Like I did, I wasn't already working. So 23 to already be working as a comedian and to sort of see not only how like shitty the world can be, but also to see like human behavior and how that relates to everyone around you. And even depending on what city that you're working in, it's like, why, why is an audience going to act a certain way? Why is it not? And it forces you to grow up because you realize that people have certain privilege. People don't, people come from shitty situations, people, you know, and it, 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 it forces you to really grow up. And yeah. at your age, um, dating 23 year old men, uh, th- those are kids, you know, th- those are just boys. Those aren't men. Yeah. Uh, not no, no, yet. 100%. And it feels like, even though I'm 23, like if I meet somebody that's 23, I'm like, Oh, you're a baby. That's like right. you're so young and it's so fucking weird because I'm like, I know that we're the same age, but it feels like 23 is like, it's just too young. Yeah. I, I, I completely understand that. But I mean, you know, don't, and like you're saying, it's sort of like, there's literally like, like, you know, there's no need to force anything ever because there are so many people out there, like try all of them, you know, like yeah. just try. And if they, if you don't like, uh, but but I will say though, dating advice is is um, and this is what I was talking about earlier with Daniel. When I first started dating Daniel, um, maybe ask yourself why, like you might not be into someone, and if the reason is because it, in my case, because he was like too nice and had a good job, and like I interpreted that as like boring. I was like, oh, because I was just used to fucking chaos in my life and toxic men and like just horrible relationships that like, yeah, sometimes maybe just like ask yourself honestly why, because my friends were like, mm, I think you should really give Daniel a chance. And, um, you know, when I had my mental breakdown, he really proved to me like that he would be there for me because every other guy that I dated never took my mental health seriously at all. Like yeah. never, never, never. And I yeah. hated that super invalidating and super frustrating. Right. So that's something that you value before anything else is that like, yeah, what makes like, you feel safe in like, what, like if you're like meeting somebody for the first, like before you met Daniel, mm-hmm. what is something that like, what's the first thing where you're it, like, what made you feel safe? When I, when I met him or when I was talking yeah, to him on you, Tinder, when you met him. Oh, that's a, that's, that is like, I don't know about you, but like myself personally, the second that I like physically meet somebody in like a love relationship, I don't need a second date. I know immediately. Like I, I can tell within like the first 20 seconds of meeting a person. Cause okay. it's like an energy thing. And it's like, whether or not you vibe, 
Um, yeah. For my first impression of Daniel was that he looked a lot better than his photos. Cause he like- That's always amazing. Yeah. <laughs> oh Not that his photos God. were bad. Like his photos weren't bad. It was just that like- you know that they're going to be cute though. Is when yeah. the photos are when you're like, meh. They always end up becoming like really cute. Yeah, it's just, he always like took this weird angled photo where he would like do this weird thing with his like chin. And so he always like kind of looked like Ron Weasley, like the actor that played him in like Harry Potter, like just a little bit. And I was kind of like, am I into Ron Weasley? I'm like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then when I met him, I was like, oh no, you don't look anything like Ron Weasley. Yeah, Um, oh, amazing. I'm not, I mean, Ron Weasley, Ron Weasley's also kind of cute though, but I'm just saying like, I just, he didn't look like how I was expecting. And uh, he liked to drink. I need, I need a drinker, obviously. Uh, And uh, he got all of my jokes and my references. And like, he was like making jokes and we were just like really vibing and stuff like Like, that. That is like for somebody who is not a comedian to get your jokes and to kind of like throw it back to you a little bit yeah that is actually the most important thing like I don't know that I could be with somebody who like I did not think was funny at all he always had a smile on his face which kind of freaked me out a little bit because like I have major resting bitch face and like I look angry all the time and like I'm okay with that but like he always would just be like he would say something and then he would just always be like (laughs) and it like freaked me out for a while I was like why are you smiling like you look like a murderer but then like I, again, like I, I look back on that and how I was not okay with that. And now it's like, you know, I, that's like my favorite part about him yeah. that really kind of not bothered me, but it, like it weirded me out. But again, like, uh, I don't know about your situation specifically, but talking about me specifically, I think I had a lot of work to do on Lyle before I could really be happy in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and with Daniel, that, that, like like we're so happy like we, we we're together all the time and like it he doesn't like I'm not annoyed by that at all you know we're together constantly and I love it but at first I was like like I yeah. don't know about this guy yeah so you gotta ask yourself why so did it like grow over time or was it like immediately no like- I'm a I'm an all or nothing instant click okay. I it's the same thing with friends I can tell immediately if I'm going to be friends with you or if not, like, I don't need a second date. I don't need a, Hey, like first impressions are weird. It's like, I can tell when somebody is like trying to be funny or trying to be like, it's like, I'm, I'm very, I'm very attuned to human behavior. And I, I, I'm very good at judging people like that. Um, in terms of friendship and in terms of relationships, I mean. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, like, if you know, you know, you know what I mean? I feel like I need a little bit more time. Like it usually takes me like two or three dates. Um, But I also think that's mostly because I've never met somebody where uh, like right off the bat, I'm just like, I know, like I I have nothing to really compare it to. So like all of the dates that I've gone on have taken like a few dates for me to figure it out. Cause I haven't had that like instantaneous, like, oh, I know it's you yet, you know? But I I have had that. I have had that relationship where the second that I met him, I was like, oh my God, like you, like you're my person. And I think the reason why was because I think physically he is like my type to a T, but he also was like really sarcastic, 
but he was really smart. Like he had a, like he was, he literally got promoted to a PhD, like halfway through his master's and like, he's just a, like, I find like intelligence is like the sexiest thing on a person, but he was also very physically attractive. And the thing that I liked about him the most was he was so sarcastic, but he was like smart, sarcastic, not like I'm so fucking smart. Like, and I'm so fucking funny. Like things that he would actually say were like based in facts and truth. So yeah, I yeah. loved that. And it was like a big turn on. But then the problem was that with him being the instant, oh my God, yes, you, it it's never going to work out because you just constantly want them to be this thing that they're not because you have this idea in your head of what the perfect person is and you're never going to be happy because yeah. it, it's just not possible, you know? Yeah, totally. 100%. And it's like, sometimes I feel like I don't, I can't really like trust myself either with like making decisions. I'm like, man, this person is so great in this way, but like, I kind of value this more and you know, it's like, but I don't know how much of that is like my own defense mechanism because like I either really don't want to be in a relationship or I don't like this person. Like, I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure what it is. I I think, I think that, um, a, 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 Part of it could be that you are really trying to just be careful in terms of getting into a relationship because you strike me as a person that like is down for a commitment and like down for a relationship, but you want them to, you want it to like feel absolutely right. And you don't want to force anything. That's right. And I get that. Like I completely, I completely understand that. Although that being said though, you know, a lot of people um, can also surprise you in ways that you really weren't expecting. But uh, the question that you had about like, when I first met Daniel, the first thought was yes. Like I was like the second that I was like, yeah, like I'd date him. You know what I mean? That was like my first thought. Okay. Oh, I love that. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Cause there's some guys where like, I'll see them and I'm like, oh, that's like, he looks like my type. He seems like a guy that I would, that I'm initially attracted to. And then he'll say something like fucked up like he'll say something like really fucked up like I was on a date with a guy who said something about like um oh yeah he asked me if I sleep around that was his question that was, like one of his first questions for me and I was just like wow this is hmm. so fucked that uh, is quite the, what, what was what was he hoping for I'm not sure I don't like, know yeah and he's like fuck yeah like <laughs> uh I have literally no idea um but I was just like uh you know what that's that's interesting um I'm gonna go see you later yeah bye that's that's a that's a quick bye what an asshole yeah Yeah, I know so at least it's like I feel like I've uh kind of skipped the thing that I feel like uh, I'm not sure if it's everyone and I'm probably just generalizing but I do have friends where like they will go out of their way to like shape shift to be like the person that this guy that they like thinks that they are. And I don't have that at all. And it's, it's, I should have that a little bit. No, but I mean, obviously like that's not a great attitude to have going into it, but I do have to say, I do have to say that the more you and the more real you are about that and like your feelings about that on a first date, because I actually, I don't agree with you because I think that you should be like that. I think that you should not 
because uh, I just know so many people where it's like, what's the, it's like, you know, for the first three months, you're like the better version of yourself. And then like you rip the mask off. It's like, that sounds awful. Like mm-hmm. if I was in a relationship with somebody and um, well, actually I have lots of, lot, I dated a lot. And there was one of my exes who was legitimately, um, uh, he tested very high uh, for being a sociopath. Like he had to get like tested for it. And like, um, he would, and like, when you look back on it, like you're literally like, that makes sense. But like in the middle of it, everything was in front of me, but I wasn't connecting the dots. Cause like he would be like a different version of himself with every group of people that we spoke to. And I just thought like, oh, that's just him being polite or that's just him trying to be charming. But then like when he was around my parents, he was like this Stepford husband it was really weird and like fake and then when we broke up it was like it was like he ripped a mask off and became like a completely different person and it like fucked with my head for like a really long time so I say just be your I don't know over it bitter self on that first (laughs) date because then if the guy can appreciate that you are your own kind of person and it's like this is who I am and stuff like that you, you'll have a much stronger and deeper connection with that person because right out the gate they know exactly what they're getting into no surprises That's I think right. a surprise in a relationship is awful yeah yeah 100 oh my god I love that that's so true exactly and it's like at the end of the day it's like I, yeah it's like I don't want to I don't want to feel like I'm surprising you mm-hmm. I don't want to feel like you know I'm tricking you or something yeah uh, and I don't want to feel like you're tricking me, which by the way, I can spot right away. It's so transparent <laughs> when guys are doing like that fake nice bit or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's because wow. it's because you're a comedian. You understand, you understand how to observe people and to turn that into something. And, and unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, but like kind of unfortunately, it's just that, you know, you're very precocious and you, you moved up quite quickly, quite young. And uh, I think that dating, uh, listen, I, I wish you all the luck. I hope that you get your barista boyfriend. I hope that works <laughs> out. But I have a feeling that you're probably going to be, you know, in and out of relationships a lot in your 20s. Uh, for me, yeah. it, it wasn't until I was like 30 that yeah. like I was in like, okay, this is so it, it took me kind of a while. I love that. I, I'm always so interested in like talking to comedians about dating because it's such a unique uh, career path that we have. And I feel mm-hmm. like it's so telltale about somebody's personality and how they perceive the world. Like, I, and exactly what you said, it's like, it's literally our job to try to like read people and be observant and pick up on uh, like nightly we're going out and we have to pick up on the vibe of crowds. Like, yeah groups of people at a time we need to be able to like read simultaneously so not just like a person and their actions but also like huge groups of people like at once right comedians I feel like there's a huge parallel between what you do and your personality and I think that there's certain things that you can you can expect and that we all have in common which is that we're super fucking observant and like just really on the bullshit so it's like if you start with the bullshit (laughs) we're aware of the bullshit yeah and that is the worst thing that is the worst quality I think I think that you'll find somebody that will appreciate all of the things about you it's just that you have to go through a fucking huge pile of garbage to get there yeah. but it's it, right it does happen it all it does happen yeah <laughs> 
Okay. Just I love slowly, that. slowly but surely. <laughs> That's beautiful. I mean, I think we can end it on that note. We've talked for quite some time. Okay. Um, thank you so much for doing this. This has been so much fun. You're such a delight to talk to. Thank you for sharing all of those things about yourself. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having uh, me. I love it. Yeah. And I think it's going to be uh, like a great episode. I'm so excited to put it out there. So thank you for being part of it. Um, can I just plug anybody that is in the Ottawa area? I am going to be there on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That is December 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I will be headlining Yak Yaks Ottawa. If anybody in Ottawa is listening to this. I love that. And they are. We actually have a few listeners well, there from you go. Ottawa. So I'll I'm see you in excited. Ottawa. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, thank you so much, Kyle. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.